Hey, this is Ricky Venasco with the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation Podcast. This is Nick Solak with the Texas Rangers. You're listening to the Rangers Nation Podcast. Welcome to Rangers Nation Podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation Podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rangers Nation's podcast. I am your host, the Recliner Nerd, and today's episode is stupidity. Yep, stupidity. That's what we're going to talk about today with Jeff Fry from former Texas Ranger. Jeff Fry is going to join me. We're going to talk about the Houston Astros, the PR nightmare, and just the pure stupidity of what they've done this week. We'll get to all of that right after this. This is Ramo Guzman for the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to Rangers Nation podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. I am your host, the Recliner Nerd, and today's episode is stupidity. Stupidity is what today's episode is, and with me and joining me right now is Jeff Fry, former Texas Ranger. Jeff, what's going on, bud? Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm just enjoying this beautiful weather today and uh, went fishing this morning and cooking some crawfish this evening. Okay, so we're going to finish this up, folks, in just a minute, and I will be <laughs> heading towards Fort Worth uh, with cold beer in hand as we get the crawfish boiling. Where'd you go fishing at? I uh, went down um, on the Brazos River today, down below Cleburne, south of Cleburne, and then uh, then we came back and went over uh, Benbrook Dam area and didn't get a bite in like three hours, <laughs> not a bite. Did, now, do you, do you have a boat that you get on and, and get out there, or are you just getting on the shores or what? I mean, I, I love to fish. Too. I used to creek fish years ago, uh, but what you got a no, boat? No, we're just no, we don't. We're just wade. We just wade in the water and fish from the bank and we're fishing for sand, for a uh, sand bass. But apparently, they're not ready to be caught yet. So <laughs> they're, they're not ready to we go. Came home empty-handed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many times have I done that? So you know, I, we never even got into this. We talked all about last time you were on. We talked about you know your life and everything. So are you, you're a fisherman. Do you hunt too, or yes, yes. So I me- hunt. I deer hunt. Okay. I. Uh, Shot a deer this year. Nothing to write home about, but um, put a little meat in the freezer. In the freezer. Yeah, I um, I didn't. I my favorite hunting was always bird hunting, quail and duck. Quail was my favorite, um, but the quail seemed to have disappeared from Texas for the most part. And uh, I didn't actually go dove hunting this year. And All right, well, you have to come out with us next deer, year. Deer hunting. Yeah, yeah. We'll get you out there. I've got some uh, property out in uh, Vernon, Texas, my family has. We go out there and hunt deer and, and dove, and I've actually got a German short hair pointer, Gus, that uh, I get out. He's not learning yet. He, he he can't fetch them. He can point them because he'll eat them before he fetches them, but he likes to get out there. Right. We'll try to get you out right. there. So this week has been just unbelievably crazy. Tuesday was a nightmare. The PR, I mean, I mean, let me ask you this. Major League teams, you guys have a PR department, don't you? I think all 29 teams have a PR department except the Astros. Except the Astros. I, I, I have, <laughs> you know, I, I, we, we kid and talk about I played baseball and all of that, but I think I found a career in Major League Baseball that I might be equipped to do, and that is PR for the fact that I could step up to somebody and go, hey, would you just shut the hell up? 
I mean, seriously, don't talk to anyone. What's the qualifications to have that job and go quit talking to people? You know, that's exactly what I was thinking when I watched it. And um, a good friend of mine was like, you know, they were, they're not allowed to say a lot. I mean, they're opening themselves up to a lawsuit, admitting they cheated. And I mean, there's already been one lawsuit right. that's come out. Yeah, the picture that did um, so I don't know if that was scripted. Obviously, it was scripted, but I don't know if it came from the organization, the Players Association. I, I really don't know. But, I mean, after a month of sitting around and yeah. – this is what we. This is what we got. I was so disappointed. Yeah, and look, and, and like you just said, so let's let's recap for those that don't know what we're talking about. First of all, Jim Crane. Uh, they held a press conference. It, look, all the teams are reporting now. Uh, the Astros are getting uh, the the Rangers. Uh, all the the pitchers and catchers reported last week. The the position players are reporting today. First full workouts tomorrow. The Astros held a press conference. Uh, this was Tuesday, and. Uh, Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve came out and read brief statements and took no questions. And Jim Crane came out, the owner, who's having to he's, – he's the face of it right now since Lunau and uh, Hinch have been fired, and basically apologized, you know, the, the, the customary apology you're going to hear, and then said, when, when, when asked a few questions, basically said, you know, that I just don't believe that it affected the World Series at all, which was just a – you know, just uh, – you know, look – if I'm in his position, how how hard is this answer right here, Jeff? You know, look, it's possible. Yeah, I mean, look, they were cheating. They were getting pitches. Sure, it could have affected whether it did 100% or not. I'm not sure, but you could guess it did. I mean, look, we can't go back and try to figure which one or that, but, you know, obviously it could have, and uh, that's the reason we're suffering these cons. That's all you got to say. You think people would be talking about it today if that's all they would have said? No, <laughs> no, he got caught, man. He got caught and just kept, and just kept digging a bigger and bigger hole and saying, you know, he said, it, what did he say? That uh, he doesn't think it affected anything. And then like 30 seconds later, he says, I didn't say it didn't affect anything. I was like, yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, wait a minute. Let's rewind this tape. Well, yeah, and, it was bad. And, and, you know, then Altuve and, and Bregman come up and, and Bregman looked like, you know, I, I hate to even compare it to something like this, but looked like somebody in a, in a red jumpsuit that had been kidnapped in front of a camera. And, you know, you, you just feel someone standing over him with a gun pointed at him, having to read his statement. Um, just no, the, the, the remorse, it's, it doesn't feel real. That, I think that's the biggest problem. It just doesn't feel real. It's kind of like, why, why are we still talking about this? That's kind of the attitude I saw from Altuve and Bregman. Yeah, and I mean, you don't, a lot of times when somebody apologizes and they're sincere about it, you can see it in their yeah. face. You yeah. can see they are sorry that they did this and they understand that it was wrong and all that. You don't even see that in these guys. And that's, the, I think that's the part that, I mean, there's players all over the league starting to come out, which I love this because that's they're the ones who are affected. Oh yeah. And they don't know how much they were affected, but some of their buddies, you know, who might've had cups of coffee in the big leagues and, yep. and got crushed by the Astros. They may never get back now. And it's like, how do you, Maybe that one outing this guy had was the nail in the coffin, and yeah. he never gets back to the big leagues again. And that, I mean, just hard to tell exactly how right. much each player was affected. Absolutely. And look, there's no way you'll ever know that if that's the reason that the guy won't be back in the major leagues. But look, it, it, 
I guarantee you, while it, it may not have happened, it, it very well could have. And there could have been a guy that, that an organization brought him up. Like you said, they get, they're getting another chance. They, they brought him up. They've got a young kid they want to bring up too. Let's give him another start. Let's see if he can put something together and get going. And he goes out and gets rocked, and that's kind of the point where they go, yeah, okay, so we've, we've, got a, we've had enough time on this guy. And so, uh, you know, it's just flat out, it's amazing. I, I, I'm that, that that this has happened, and I think I think one of the big the big things too that I don't think that the Ash. Sorry, guys, someone's trying to call in. We're going to ignore that. Um, I think one of the biggest things though that we're going that, that we're that the Astros are now realizing is that this isn't going away. I think they don't. I don't think that they thought that it was this bad. The players around the league have been funny and amazing. This even you, you've been hysterical. So this is this is not going away. Yeah, I, I can only imagine how I would have reacted if I was playing today. Oh, I mean, it was—I would have been all. Over, I mean, I was all over the t- other teams anyway. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, I—I I remember one time facing this pitcher. I'm not going to mention his name, but the front of his, uh, like one of his uh, legs, yeah, was wet—a big old wet spot. Like, and he kept going to that. Yeah, and I was like, "Can you?" Not? And I went to the umpire. I said. Can you not see the wet spot on his leg that he keeps going to? That's okay. I mean, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I would have, you know, and the bang in the trash can, I don't know if I mentioned this in one of the other podcasts, but I just know that I would have heard it if I was playing second base. I just know that a sound that's not familiar in a baseball game. Yes. That if it keeps happening over and over, every time my catcher puts down an off-speed pitch, I would notice it. And I just don't. I still, that's the, the the one thing that I really can't wrap my mind around is that nobody said anything about that. Yeah. And, and that's an obvious sound. Well, you know, uh, who was it? Cody Bellinger. Is that the one that came out and really kind of went off on yeah. it? And then, bless his heart, Correa was the one that everyone thought that his initial apology, they really thought, you know, he really seems really sincere. He's the one that really kind of had some contrition there. He really sounded like, he felt really horrible about it. And then Bellinger comes out, says what he says, and Correa just wiped all of that away. Comes back out and says, you know, I what was it, the bad tattoo that Altuve had on the their buzzers are stupid. It was the bad tattoo, which, you know, look, in all honesty, that that that's feasible. Maybe he had something like that. Maybe he wasn't using a buzzer. But, you know, here's the sad thing, Jeff. Do you trust any of them? I don't. I mean, sorry. It's hard to trust any of them right now. And I got to say this, okay? If this guy just did a walk-off home run in, in the sixth inning off Chapman yep. to send his team to the World Series and yep. his wife is going to be mad at him if his shirt ripped off, he might need to <laughs> put some thought into that one. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Uh, they, Come on. Exactly. <laughs> and, oh, and, and – <laughs> Well, and, and someone made a point that, that I heard, and I forget wh- who it was. It was another player that made the point. Look, okay, we had a slight hitch there, guys, but we're back going at it again. So uh, <laughs> th- that's the problem with technology. You know, it, it can it can help you hit home runs or find out what pitches are going, but then again, they, it can fail every once in a while when another call comes <laughs> in. So uh, obviously it wouldn't have worked for me either way. Um but what I was talking about before that happened was I, 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 there was some player that, that made the point that when uh, Correa came out and said, look, he was talking about 
what they hit in the series that Altuve wasn't using. He, he, there was no way that he was using that. And he might've stole the, the, uh, you know, Aaron judges MVP that year. They might've, you know, and he was, he was saying all of these things that could be right or whatever, but this player pointed out, look, we, we know you used them, right? So we know that, that it's already been reported that you used some of that. So even if you didn't use it in the world series, you got to the world series by winning games using this stuff. So yeah, it did affect going to the World Series. It did affect, he goes, if, if, if Altuve wasn't the one that was using it during the World Series, but other players were, were they on base during the season? Because he got his RBIs up because there were players on base that used it. He got, you know, he's driving uh -huh. in extra runs. So don't say it doesn't affect his MVP that could have been stolen from Judge and that. That's ridiculous to say that because if other players were using it, he benefited off of that by getting the RBIs, having extra men on base. And you can attest to this more than anyone, people pitch to you differently with someone in scoring position. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's the, the way you're pitched to, yep. you, you don't want to put another guy on base. You've got to throw a strike to this guy. Um, you can't afford to walk him if the bases are loaded now. I mean, there's things that happen. You're going to see better pitches if the bases are loaded. You're going to, you know, stuff like that. So it does affect it. Yeah, and it's just impossible to quantify how much it affected it. It's just no way you can... I mean, in the Astros, if yeah. I was, I don't know who's giving advice, advice to these players, if it's their agents, if it's their, right. if it's their organization or whatever, but Korea they need to morals. fall on, they need to, and so does Altuve. Yeah. Oh, that's you right. Know? Yeah. They need to fall on the sword. We're sorry. Beg for mercy. Please forgive us. And when you decide you're ready to forgive us, Yep. Thank, thank you. But until then, they're not going to be forgiven. And what I what I just heard was the thing I heard about or saw about Verlander the other day. It's like, oh my goodness, he's politicking for teams not to throw at his hitters now. Right. This is going to make him want to throw at him more. Exactly. Ver, you know, Ver, Verlander is a touchy guy, and I, I, I man, I got a lot of flack this year on Verlander because I wrote a thing about Verlander and about the big deal was, and he had, when the, when the Tigers came to town, you know, this is a big leaguer. Even in your CBA agreement, you're required to talk to the media. You know, look, you don't have to answer the questions, but you have to put yourself in front of the media um, at certain amount of time after a game or whatever. And, and look, I, I, I say this to people. I'm a little different when I'm in a locker room because I am a fan first when I get to be in a locker room. So I don't have to ask the tough questions, but you can imagine how players can feel about media at times when someone, if someone walked into my job every day, stood over me with a microphone and said, you suck at this. And, you know, uh -huh. and, and so you could be a little mad about it and understandably so, but Verlander had had a problem with the Detroit guy that was in the press Detroit was playing in Houston and flat out, he was making the start. And he said, I'm just letting you know now, I will not do a press conference after the game if this guy's allowed into the press room. And everybody defended the guy and said, you can't do that. I mean, and, but the Astros, what did they do? They stepped up, blocked the guy and wouldn't let him go in and, and do that. And it was because of something he wrote that, that Verlander. And, and my answer to that was ignore the guy. Every time he asks a question, just go, next question. You don't have to take someone's questions. That's fine. If this guy wronged you or he said something that wasn't fair, I have no issue. If you have a beef with me or anyone, don't take my questions, but you got to let me in the room and at least let me ask it so I can show I'm trying to do my job. You know what I mean? You have a right to uh -huh. say no to an interview and not talk to him while he's there, but you can't 
threatened to not even hold a press conference. And that's the first you just, Yeah. Just go beast mode. Yeah. I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. Hey, did you, you know? I mean, I, <laughs> did, you, did you ever have anyone in the press that was just someone got into your skin for whatever reason you just never hit it off with them you guys couldn't get along yeah i can't really remember remember anyone in particular um i had like one run-in i think with dan shaughnessy um the boston media is really tough yeah they're more i mean i'm just i respected the fact that these guys had a job to do and you know i learned from toby hair early on in my career if i made a mistake just fess up to it and don't make excuses and I mean, I loved, you know, T.R. Sullivan and Jerry Fraley and Revo and Galloway right. and Boston. I mean, honestly, Peter Gammons oh, yeah. was still writing then. And um, he used to come in the locker room in Boston. And the first thing he would do would be walk over to my locker. We'd talk for 15 and 20 minutes almost every single day. Man, that, And I just that love that guy. Me. Oh, yeah, I love You Gammons. know, it's like Peter Gammons of all the people. Yeah. He could talk to in this locker room. He called me Frito. You know, he's <laughs> like, hey, Frito. And, and we just talk. And, and, you know, we love talking baseball. And, I mean, I respect those guys. I still, to this day, um, communicate with T.R. Sullivan a lot. Yeah. Uh, every year, he gets to pick one former player to fill out um, an all-star ballot for the all-star game. Right. I don't really know exactly what it's for. Yeah. But every year, he picks me to do it for him. <laughs> and I do it for him. And, you know, he's like, we're going to go to the winter meetings. I'll buy you a beer. You know, it's just, yeah. I like, I mean, those guys love baseball more than I do. You know, that's their life. And it's like, how do I not at least, even if it's a tough question and I may not want to answer it, yeah. it's better off I just answer it and move on. Exactly. You know what? And that, and, and that tells me, Jeff, that that's, I, look, we've, we've met each other now. We've done two podcasts together. We came to the road show, which, by the way, for y'all that missed it, we're, we've already talked. Jeff's already talked. We're going to try to do that again. We're going to get closer to you people out west. Jeff lives out on the west side of DFW, and we're going to try to get over somewhere around Arlington and do it. want you guys to come out, and we'll, we'll be talking about that when we find a place. we got to find a time, too. I mean, are you going to any spring training at all, anywhere? I know you got a couple players, um, anything like that. Are you going to be going out? Not for sure yet. I mean, spring training is a difficult time to, to see players. They're so busy. Yeah. Um, I remember my agent would come out and be like, hey, are we going to dinner? I was like, I don't know. My family's here, whatever. It's yeah. like, you know, they play five innings in the game. Then they got to go on the backfield. It's like, right. why fly to Arizona or Florida so I can see you play five innings, take you to dinner, and come home? I'd rather go go see you during the season. So if he wants me, my guys want me to come, I'll come. But if not, I'll just see him when the season starts. Just see him when it's going. Well, I'm I'm actually for the first time uh, heading out uh, the 26th. I'm gonna go out from the 26th to the first. The 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 wife's coming out with me, and and uh, I haven't been out to a spring train. I want to get into some spring training a little bit later, but I, I want to get back on this Astros thing while, while we got you here and have a little fun with this. You know, I I had a yeah. question with you as a as an agent. You might have a an interesting answer for this, but as a player also, it's, 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 it's intriguing. Now I asked this question when the, when the first time any of this kind of came out and their, and their situation came out and they fired Lunau and all of that, I had Sean Bass from the ticket on and we, we did a podcast and I kind of brought up, I said, do you think this will affect free agency or anything like that? And he made, he had to come back with a snap of a finger that made total sense. He said, money talks, man. 
He goes, if somebody's going to put out the money, and I, I said, you're right, I'm not even thinking. But now, let's lay out a different scenario. Let's say you're a free agent and somebody's got money on the table, but you have two or three teams with the same money on the table, virtually the same money on the table. Could this affect somebody thinking about going to Houston? That's a mess right now. Um, what they're dealing Absolutely. with on the road. I, I, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, you're going to have to severely outbid somebody to get a marquee free agent. Otherwise, if you're just in the ballpark with what other people are, why would someone go to that mess right now? Uh, I wouldn't want to be in that locker room right now. I mean, especially just think about the guys that go there that weren't part of the team then. Yeah. I mean, now they're going to they're going to be in the middle of this, all this negativity. Right. And everywhere they go, they're going to get booed. And every time they strike out, they're going to yell. But it's a lot harder when you didn't see the signs or you didn't hear the trash. I mean, it's going to be bad. And yeah. why would you want to do that as a player? Unless you it's know, your I only mean, option. Unless <laughs> it's your only option. Yeah. I mean, because... And what about the guys that were there, though, that oh. are on different teams now? Oh, yeah. They're having like, to answer questions now. Yeah, well, we signed this guy because uh, he had a good year, but but maybe maybe this guy's not what we thought he was because we don't have a cheating system like this in place. And if yep. this guy hit 240, knowing what's coming, what's he going to hit when he doesn't know what's coming? Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right, and you know, and and I, hey, I, I look, and I'm a I'm a Ranger fan first. Um, although I cover the Rangers, I, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm not like the press because I get to come at it as a fan. Uh, but Chirinos came here, and Chirinos says he came, he stepped up, he answered questions, he said, you know, I didn't have a buzzer. They people have asked that. I, I want MLB to clear me of that. They they've written it in their report. I want it to come out. What do I need to do? Because I don't want to be accused of that. I don't want. You know, any of that stuff coming out. Look, we can't believe him 100%, but he's certainly in front of the press saying the right thing. Uh, he was only there for 2019. He wasn't there before that. Um, you know, and, of course, according to the Astros themselves, they didn't do anything wrong in 2019. Um, you know, but I, I don't know. You can't trust the organization, right? You just can't trust anything they're saying. No, and a good friend of mine it was a he was actually a bullpen um, catcher for a long time and then a bullpen coach. And last year, his job was to work for one of the teams. I'm not going to say the team, a team in the American League West. Okay. Last year, his job was to watch his team's pitchers and to see if they were tipping their pitches and to look at video and seeing if there was uh, anything out of the ordinary that, you know, why guys were on and hitting them good, whatever. And he said, right. we knew that the Astros had our signs. We just didn't know how. And this is last year. Really? Okay. So, so he knew that, okay. Yeah, see, and that, we, yeah. He thought his pitchers were tipping pitches. And it's like, it's crazy. It's like, he goes, when you see a hitter with two strikes turn on a 96-mile-an-hour fastball inside, you know something's wrong. He says, and, and then they, like, don't offer an off-speed pitch just off the plate. It's like, you know something's wrong. I know as for me, as a right-handed hitter, when I got two strikes, I basically eliminated, tried to eliminate the inside part of the plate. If they wanted to get me out, they pound me in in that situation, and they had a good chance of getting me out. Yeah, Because I was focused on middle away. I have to focus middle away to protect against off-speed pitches, and if you make a great pitch on the inside part, I'm probably going to be out. And these guys are turning on one, two count, 96 mile an hour fastballs on the inside corner. That just doesn't make sense. 
Well, I mean, it, hitters know you don't do that. Yeah. Well, now it's starting to make a little sense. And look, you know, maybe maybe it's dumb luck. Maybe they were just that good that they 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 weren't stealing signs and doing it. But here's the problem. Dude, you got caught in 2017. It's been talked about for 18 and 19. We don't we don't believe you. No offense. We don't believe you. I mean, that's just the way. And these players, if they don't perform to the to the numbers that they've been performing to right now, I think it's going to get in their head. That's what I think. I mean, it could very well. And unfortunately for those guys, they are always going to be labeled cheaters now. Yes. Any yeah, of them. It's never going away. It's never going away, and it's. I mean, it's really unfortunate because, I mean, be honest, they got some freaking good players. Altuve was one of my favorite players to watch, being his size, and I was a little guy. Sure, Bregman's not a big guy either. No, he's not. You know, and Spring and Springer's had an amazing start to his career, and it's like, man, all these guys look like stars, you know. And it's like, man, was it? Yep. Are they really this good? I mean. And you start looking at some of their numbers, like, man, they got like three, four, five, six guys with 30 plus home runs. And granted, that is a great ballpark to hit in, but right. they only play there half the, half the time. And it's like, how much of that stuff was yeah. not real? Man, it's, you know? it's sad. It's, it's very, yeah, you're exactly right. And, and, you know, and Springer just comes across as just a sweetheart of a guy. He always does. He always says the right thing. He just, he, 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 you know, Correa kind of, and Altuve, look, they're, they're likable guys. You see them, uh, Bregman's a little brash, but that's, I don't ever take that personally. He's a little brash and a little cocky, kind of the way Ken's was, and you represented Kinsler and, you know, and, and, and all of that, but you, you, I love him as a, as a player or I did, um, as a player, I didn't mind at all that he was a little brash and cocky when you're backing it up, you know, as a ranger fan or a true fan you just you just eat your hat you don't say anything because the guy's beating you there's really not much you can Uh say but now god there's such a big question mark over all of it it's just a dark cloud over it yeah there is i mean back to bregman i mean that's just some guys uh and i was a lot like bregman yeah maybe i'm not i was not near as good as bregman but um (laughs) i had to have that cockiness that that and I felt like I was the best player on the field, even though I knew I wasn't. Right. I had to have that in my mind. Um, I, I needed that edge exactly. when I would put the field, and that's Bregman. That's why he wears number two because he wasn't the first pick in the draft. And you know, I mean, the guys had an incredible start to his career too. And it's unfortunate now that yeah. you know we don't know we don't know if he really is this good. Yeah, that's that's just a shame. Hey, we, I I had a, a question here from from somebody that, that I told him we were going to do this. He wanted to ask you um, why is using technology frowned on to steal signs, but stealing signs without technology is acceptable. And then he asked, well, why will MLB not embrace technology like NFL and put earpieces in the pitcher and catcher's ears to eliminate a hundred percent of sign stealing? I kind of had an answer to that too, but let me let me hear yours. What it so using the technology, why is that frowned upon more than? Because we know if you could pick up a, if you could someone tip their pitches or you could pick up a sign, nobody really has a big beef if you're doing it on the field and you know someone picks it up or whatever. But the technology aspect of it. Well, I I think the problem with technology right now is that everybody's starting to realize that a lot of these troubles that we've never ever had in the history of this game that we know of right started about when we started doing instant replay 
and allowing their stuff in the dugout. And, you know, this game was just fine before technology got involved, you know. Right. But, I mean, they've been playing this game for over 100 years without technology, and now all of a sudden we have to have technology. I mean, what's going to happen if we have a pitcher who, I mean, as an athlete, you want to play with a, play with an earpiece in? Uh, yeah. I wouldn't want to play with an earpiece. I couldn't even wear Oakley's. Yeah. Because I didn't like wearing Oakley's on the field. I like, I used the flip down glasses, the old school. I didn't like Oakley's yeah. because a lot of guys wore them because they look cool. But I, the nose piece on the Oakley's always, in my mind, I couldn't see a hundred percent like I could without the Oakley. So I wasn't going to do it. If it affected me in any way. I wasn't going to do it. And yeah, I just don't think we need this much technology. Granted, I, I always like going up and looking um, at my at-bats to see really not really my swing that much, more so where the pitch was. Right. Um, if I thought it was a ball or strike, that's really all I used it for. Right. Um, but I don't think, I mean, these guys can play without this stuff. We did it. It yeah. doesn't have to be there. And I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, I think we're going to learn real quick if they can use play without it because I, according to Major League Baseball and Commissioner's Office, um, there's going to be some drastic changes about real-time video yeah. uh, availability to these players. So, granted, go up, you can go up and look um, at your bat, you know, in the first inning, in the fifth inning, if you want to see what you did or if you dipped your sure. shoulder or whatever, sure. yeah, dropped and- your bat, dropped the barrel, but, but you're not going to get to look um, you know, as the game's going on. Yeah, sure. No, I, I, I totally agree. And there's a, there's even a delay, um, when you're in the press box up at the, the ballpark. I mean, I noticed we're watching a game. We got monitors all in that press box. Uh, it's 10 seconds after the, the pitch is thrown. It's, it's showing enough. And if that's the Fox, uh, sports Southwest feed, you're, you're getting seven to 10 seconds after the pitch. Um, and so I don't know how that affects the replay and, and, and all of that. But like you said, replay's got to be quicker. It's, but it comes from New York usually. But someone under each, you know, for each team is there on the monitor so that they can challenge plays. Like you said, you know, that that's where a lot of this problem started. I think all people know throughout time and throughout baseball, Gaylord Perry used to, you know, the his body was soaking wet from the – from the belt up with different substances he had all over his body to make that slider dip more or whatever. Um, you know, everyone tries to get ahead and I get it. The old, the old saying, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, I get it trying to pick up signs and do that. But man, when you're making it so easy that you can just take a lens, focus in on the, on the, uh, the, the, the catcher, read the signs, know what's coming and tip off your batter while he's at the plate. Yeah. There's just something there that's uncool. To me, it just seems... before the pitch is thrown. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Okay, I can remember in college uh, being at second base, and my roommate, um, my roommate was Joe Don Dunn. He won ten tough man contests in Oklahoma and Arkansas. He was not; he was forbidden to fight any more tough man contests because he won so many. <laughs> and when we were at Southeastern, I would be at second base, and I'd be looking at the catcher signs, and if I knew it was a fastball. I legitimately would hold up ones with each hand up in the air and jump up and down at second base. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times he got a hit or a home run, me doing that. And, I mean, I should have got smoked by the opposing team. But they weren't even trying to hide the signs. And yeah. that's, 
that's one of the coolest things in my mind about baseball is that switch them up. You know, hey, there's you know we relay signs. You look over in the dugout and they show they show um, Chris Woodward and Don Wakamatsu, and each one of them's doing going through signs. Well, they don't know. Nobody knows which one of them's actually hot. Which is which guy is giving the signs and which exactly. one's the decoy? Right. And they don't, you know. And, and when the catcher would. Um, you know, we used to have different sequence of signs, and man, they were complicated. They were so complicated that Pudge didn't understand them sometimes. Yep. So Pudge, <laughs> Pudge would do all these signs that we called it. It was called pumps, and it really Kenny Rogers and and Kevin Brown like using pumps. So you start. Um, they would designate. All right, we're going to start at three, and they would pump. So it, it doesn't matter how many fingers you put down. It could be five, three, two, whatever. It's pump every time. You put down a sign, that's one pump, and we start at three. And at five, we would roll over. So it would be, a, you know, five, it would be three, four, five, one, two, three, four. Okay? Yeah. Now, that's a change-up. Yeah. Kenny would take his glove and slide it down uh, his, his chest. If he goes down, every time he goes down with his glove, that adds one. So now four becomes a five. Now, right. if he adds, does it twice, then five becomes a one. Or he'll go down his leg and track and run yeah. out in the field going, yeah. holy crap, I'm a, how am I going to figure out who, what's coming? And sometimes Pudge, right before they threw the pitch, Pudge would throw down a finger because he wasn't exactly sure what was coming. <laughs> but that was the art. That was, that was the art of, of yeah. you know, disguising your signs. And that's, I mean, you got to work at that. And these guys are smart enough to do that stuff. Yeah, and switch it up. Do that. I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's part of the beauty of the game. And like you said, you're sitting there holding up a one at second base. And and I put that back on the pitcher there to say, you know, you guys just switch your signs up. I got to switch it up, and you know, so that he can't pick up it at uh, exactly what's going on. Now, as far as what uh, what what he asked about the 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 earpiece in the ear for the catcher pitcher, I like you said. I, I can't imagine a guy that throws 100 miles an hour wants an earpiece in his ear out there trying to pick up. Because what if what if someone grunted or did in the middle of your windup and it comes in your ear while you're trying to go through your windup or something? I mean, you would have to be perfect on the mute button or whatever, and there, it just leads to more headaches. And, hey, with technology today, why what, what keeps somebody from picking up the signal you're on and just listening in? I mean, big government, right, well, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is what is what does it seem like Rob Manfred's goal is to speed up the game? Yes. Are all these things going to speed up the game? Yeah. They're going to slow down the game. What happens when the pitcher's earpiece falls out every three pitches? Exactly. He's picking it up. It breaks. Now he needs a new one. It's not working. Right. Ours is working. Theirs isn't working. We exactly. can't use it. Now, you know what I mean? It's like exactly. we don't need this stuff. The game doesn't need this stuff. Well, listen, so we've, we've, we've beat up on the Astros. That was fun. And I, I really think that, look, that this is going to be a long season. I, now, you know that from the road show, I predicted that the Astros – did you also predict they wouldn't make the playoffs? Or did, I think you had them uh, – Yeah, I don't think they're going to make – I do, do not think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I, I There's going to be too much – it's going to be too rough for them. Yeah, it's not, it's not from lack of talent. I still think these guys are extremely talented. Don't get me – and they came up through the minor leagues without any of this technology. Um, and so they, they, they have the ability and the talent. I just think it's going to be a head game all year long, uh, when, especially dealing with uh, – I don't care who you are. Everybody likes to be liked. If you're booed because you're beating the other team, you kind of feed off that. But when they go in and, and hear the boos and hear things happening, it's going to be from genuine dislike. 
And I think that's really different than you're just the guy that kills us. Mike Trout. You know, Mike Trout kills the Rangers. I hate the guy for killing the Rangers, but God, I love the guy. Just a that's a talent worth watching. You know, you just can't do anything but but take your hat off to him. Vladimir Guerrero used to kill the Rangers, but those guys weren't, as far as we know, cheating. And so it's a whole different aspect. I'm telling you, it's going to be different. Yeah, it's going to be a difficult season for them for sure. And um, they did lose Garrett Cole. They yes. lost 18 wins, yep. and and um, it's going to be hard to replace. Um, Verlander's a year older. Yep. I think they'll still be a very competitive team just because they have talent. Right. But I just think this is going to weigh on them more than people think, and the Angels are better. I think the Rangers will be better. Who yep. knows about the Mariners? The A's uh, are going to be good. Oakland, Oakland somehow waves their magic wand, and... Their and wins ninety seven games every year. Yep. Wins ninety seven games every year. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's going to be tough. I don't see him making the playoffs. I I don't either. Okay, so spring training first full workouts tomorrow. So tell me about your first spring training as a pro. Was it Port Charlotte? Is that where they used to go then? Port Charlotte, baby. Yeah. So tell me about for a guy that's just signed. He's a rookie. Um, I, I know when you got signed out of college, you kind of went from there right into playing some little uh, uh, ball that year because it was still the middle of the summer. You had missed spring training that year because you were still in college and hadn't been drafted yet. So let's go to the next year. It's going to be your second year as a pro, your first spring training. Uh, tell us about that. You show up at Port Charlotte. Are you are you young guys? What are they putting you up in over there now? Now they have a sweet facility I'm hearing over in Arizona. But what were you guys like? What were you put up in? A day's in. The days in. in. With a, with a yep. roommate, obviously. Yep. Yep. And a roommate. And um, I don't remember who my roommate was in my very first season. Um, I think it was a friend from uh, Butte, Montana, where I played my first season. But yeah. basically, spring training is, you know, we used to show up probably the first week of March. Yep. Um, ch- check in the days in. Um, go to, go to the, the complex and... You know, we had to take vans to the complex. If you didn't have a car, I didn't have a car. Yeah. I would catch a ride with a guy sometimes, but uh, with some long days, man. I mean, you start out your day going to the Ponderosa for breakfast. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had breakfast the Ponder- breakfast and dinner at the Ponderosa. So we'd go there, um, get your breakfast, and then head out to the field, get there. Usually try to get there about at least an hour before stretch. Stretch was usually, I think, probably around nine thirty or something like that. And right. Get in there, and we didn't. I don't think we had a weight room. Okay. I don't remember a weight room. If we did, it was maybe a universal machine and some few free weights, but nothing like these guys have today. And we basically go into your locker, and it was a madhouse. There's a hundred and something guys there, and are the big leaguers um, with you? No, no, they had they were on the other side, and. They had their separate clubhouse. So, I mean, we have, I don't know how many guys, over 100 guys and guys from every country. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, don't leave stuff in your locker. Stuff disappears. You're trying to lock your stuff up and, and you know, get out to the field on time. And, um, but it was work. It wasn't yeah. like it was, you know, oh, this is pro now. No, it was work. And it was, you know, a lot of times you're tired. Um, just long days. You go work out for 
three or four hours and then come in and you get your lunch. The lunch was um, something I put on Twitter the other day because I saw something a Mets player in the minor leagues put on there. Our lunch was not provided. Um, it wasn't like we had a spread. It right. was right. basically a table with uh, a box of oranges, a box of apples. A lot of times they weren't ripe. And then we had a little pot filled with water. It was usually not very warm. And we had Lipton soup, Lipton uh, cup of soup that you had, you know, you need hot water to get it to dissolve right. correctly so you can <laughs> eat it. But a lot of times the water wasn't hot. So we got lukewarm water and I would go out um, probably 50% of the time with my stomach growling. I was so hungry and you did not want to be late to be back out there because you'd get in trouble or you'd have to run. So you get back out there and then you go play a spring training game. Yeah. Um, and then go back in. And what we did, what was really cool, a lot of times we'd bring our fishing poles to the field, leave them in our lockers or leave them in the cars and stuff. And almost every single day in Port Charlotte, after we were done, we'd go fishing. Yeah, there were ponds and stuff all around there, weren't there? Yep. And we and there were alligators out there, too. And so we'd go out there and go fishing. And, <laughs> and then we'd uh, head back to the hotel and, <laughs> Maybe play some video games or take a nap and then go out to dinner and get started. You know, it was early morning, day. so we weren't staying up. We weren't staying up real late. Well, let me you ask know, you: we this. were pretty so, tired. So that was your first. That was your second pro season, but your first spring training. How, how long was it? Was it the next year? Maybe when did you get your first uh, big league invite? Oh no, it was a long way. Oh, after what? Butte, I went after Butte in '88. I went to my first spring training in '89. Yep, and then eighty nine, I played in Gastonia. Ninety eight, the spring trip is Gastonia, Gastonia, North Carolina, North Carolina. Okay. Yep, and um, after Gastonia, I went to instructional league in Port Charlotte. Okay. Um, then um, that off season, I lived in Las Vegas, worked at the Tropicana Hotel, uh, lived in a tray in a basically um, an RV park an RV park <laughs> that I uh, had a 40 foot trailer that, that my, um, my wife's stepdad owned and he let us live in his 40 foot trailer in the circus circus parking lot in Sam's town. And I drove a Volkswagen bug. Um, and I would get up and go, I would get, a, I would go to work at five in the evening, get off at two, a.m. and go to the gym and then come home and my wife would leave at seven o'clock for, for work and we had a newborn oh my gosh so what, what were you doing were, were you waiting tables or were you no i was i worked in the casino i was uh the first year i was uh they call it a slot floor controlman i would look at this computer which i i mean <laughs> i didn't have a whole lot of computer skills still don't to this day but i would watch this computer and it would tell me when it when a machine hit a jackpot or a machine broke. Right. It was out of order. And I would radio it to the people that were walking around on the floor, the floor people, right. the floor person, and say, hey, there's a jackpot on such and such machine or this machine is broken, whatever. And right. they would go fix it or pay the jackpot. The next <laughs> off season, I did the same thing, except the next year, I was actually an actual controlman with zero training. And I would walk around in my Hawaiian shirt with a radio on and they'd say, all right, there's a jackpot here. I go over to this jackpot and help the customer out. And that's what I did in the off season. 
Now, was your now this was your first wife, obviously, and so was she from Vegas or something? Is that how that happened, or just? No, no. Um, her mom and stepdad moved to Vegas to okay. live and work at a casino. She worked at the casino okay. and got me a job there. Okay, and that was just off season. Yeah, you worked in the off season. I know that. I know that uh, a few kids that I knew that were from, I, I grew up in Duncanville, Texas, which was kind of a baseball town back then. But when I worked at a job I used to have, they used to come work in the summers uh, that were in mm-hmm. Chad Allen was a kid. He's younger than you. Cause he's a lot younger than me, but he would come, they would come work during the summer a little bit. So, okay. So your first uh, big, big league spring, you know, your first big spring training where you got invited to big league. So it's a whole different ball game then, right? A lot nicer. Oh yeah. No, it's 1992. 1992. I just played the previous year in um, Tulsa, made the all-star team, and um, then I went to play winter ball in Venezuela, did really well, and then they put me on the roster. So that next year, I went to my first spring training in 1992. Um, you know, Noel was there. I had Pudge was my teammate in AA. He was up the year before. Right. And we had Ruben Sierra, Juan Gonzalez. Rafael Palmero, Julio Franco, um, and Bobby Valentine was the manager. Oh, yeah. Tom House was the pitching coach. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember those and, days. Um, Toby Harrow was the bench coach. Um, so that was my first spring train, my first big league camp. And I did really well. Um, probably, I probably played well enough to make the team, but they had Julio Franco, Julio Franco yeah. second base. I'm not taking his place. <laughs> no. And then, uh, the funny, funny story is uh, Bobby Valentine went to Perry Hill. Perry Hill was our infield instructor. And he goes, what's Fry going to do opening day against Randy Johnson? He goes, he's going to light him up. Really? Well, yeah. So, well, you, well, you had heard. But, we, we talked about that on one of your the other pods. You had heard from you, whoever it was that was a scout that said the scouting report on you is you're going to light up the best pitcher on the team. Yep. yep. That, that, that was my friend's dad, who was a video guy for the Mariners. Actually, he was the first video coordinator in Major League Baseball for the Texas Rangers. His name was Carl Hamilton. Wow. And later, his son, who's my best friend, was the the, the um, video coordinator for the Colorado Rockies when I was with the Rockies. He was there for like eight years. No kidding. But Carl was the one who told me that that was a scatter report. So. Fast forward, uh, I didn't make the team out of you know the beginning of camp with AAA. Called up later in the year. Later in the year, um, we're playing the Mariners day game. Randy Johnson's pitching. I'm hitting second. You know. Yeah. I go one for three. One for three with a walk, and was the only guy that didn't in the starting lineup who didn't strike out. He struck out 18 guys oh in God. eight innings, but he had 163 pitches, so they took him out before the ninth. But I was the only guy. And Tom House was walking around the next day going, he was throwing 97 to 99 the whole game. And those and, and they say those guns back then, didn't they were different, so they probably didn't catch it right, and you could have been throwing harder than what they do today. I think that... Yeah, I think the guns today get the ball out of the pitcher's hand. Right. So I think the guns back then got it like in the strike zone. Right. Yeah, they got it down closer to the strike zone. Right. And so it was already in the deceleration point as it was coming from there. So, yeah. So he was probably throwing 100. So um, what what did you single off of him? 
guy got a single and um, actually I hit pretty well against him. And, and one of the biggest compliments that uh, I feel I ever got as a hitter was um, this guy, Randy Johnson, throwing 96 to 100 every time out with a 90 mile an hour slider. And he threw, and he was basically a two pitch pitcher. Right. That's all he needed. Right. And he threw me a changeup one time. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Randy Johnson just threw me a changeup. He knows I can hit his fastball. I was like, "Oh man, I made a big. I'm in a big leaguer." Yeah, and that it, was it, really cool. I bet his changeup came in at 89 or 90. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was most guys' best fastball. But honestly, facing that guy, he was the scariest guy ever faced. I mean, you had no time. I mean, you didn't get to sit and, and identify what was coming. You were basically guessing fastball. You had and to be hoping sitting it. Yeah. that if he threw a slider, you could maybe make contact. I mean, that's you just almost almost no chance. Well, okay, so I, you know, here's a question. Now you played for the Rockies a little bit, so did you ever play against Greg Maddox? Yes. So you 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 hit against him? Yes, I did. Um, what did his? I went do? because I've, I've seen it on TV. That's all I've ever seen. It just moved everywhere. It's like wiffle ball. <laughs> Yeah, it was like a wiffle ball. He had so much movement. Um, I went one for two against Maddox with a walk. And, with a walk. And he didn't walk people. And he no. walked like 12 guys in a season. And the thing is, when I faced Maddox, I watched him warm up. And what I would do, the type of hitter I was, is like I would look at everything. So I watch you when you warm up. I watch how you pitch, how you hold the ball in the warm up. Right. When you, before you put it in your glove. I watched your grip behind your back. Okay. Right. So I saw Greg Maddox warming up and in between innings, everybody, I mean, everybody that is pretty familiar with baseball knows that when, a, when a pitcher throws a, a warm up pitch to a catcher, he signals to the catcher with his glove, which pitch he's going to throw before he throws it. Yeah. It does it with his glove. And the catcher's not giving a sign. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like fastball. He just kind of waves his glove at him. Right. Curveball. He flips, Rolls his glove over slider. He moves his glove to the side. Change up. He pulls his glove back toward him. Right. So I was watching Maddox, and he, and he threw a cutter, cutter, sinker, change up, curveball. Those were his pitches. Yeah. And so I saw him get his cutter grip, how he held it on the ball, put it in his glove, and signal to the catcher cutter when he was warming up. Yeah. So when I was facing him, I was watching his grip because you could see how he holds the ball before he put it in his glove. Right. And I saw him grip, go with a cutter grip right into his glove. Sometimes they'll adjust it in their glove. Sure. Sometimes they won't. A lot of times you can see a glove moving, right. and that's a way, one of the ways guys hit their pitches. And so I saw the cutter grip. I was like, he's throwing me a cutter right here. And sure enough, he throws me a cutter, which was probably 83 miles an hour, and it was over the middle of the plate, broke away, and I was right on it, and I had a base hit to right field. Oh, wow. Because I knew what he was throwing. At least I had pretty confidence that I knew he was throwing a cutter, and I got a base hit. Yeah. He went one for two, and he actually walked me one time, too. That's correct. Was that when you were with the Rockies? Or was it what interleague or something? I, I don't know if it was Rockies or Red Sox. Might have been Red Sox. I think, it was, I think it was actually Red Sox, because I think in that series of the Red Sox, we faced Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox, and maybe Avery, too. Okay. All right. 
Man, well, good luck that series. <laughs> if you're a hitter. <laughs> oh shit! Well, I'm looking up, and we've already gone well over 50 minutes. I didn't mean to keep you this long. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I know that you you, you had some family stuff today. Oh well, you went out and went fishing. That's one thing. And of course, they weren't biting, so I don't feel as bad that I pulled you away. Crawfish are the crawfish are in the pot right now, baby. Oh, oh so. man, <laughs> I'm telling you, if I didn't have a, I've got a 22 year old that just turned 22 that we're taking to dinner. Or I'd be on my way oh, to Fort Worth right now. Next time. Yeah, next, next time, time we'll have to do it. Hey, listen, Jeff, I appreciate it. We're going to do another road show, guys. We're going to get Jeff back out there for sure. He, I, he's he been so great coming on. Uh, hopefully, um, Fox has called you once. I hope they stay on it, knock on wood, and you, you get to do some pregame stuff. We'll see at the ballpark. Are you going to go to opening day? Are you going to be out there for that deal? Are they going to introduce the players? I don't know. They, they've kind of, in the past few years, they've kind of shied away, and they I don't know. We used to love it when all the former players that were in the area would go out. Yeah. Hopefully they'll do that, but I don't know yet. We haven't got the call yet. Well, hopefully, because we'll see you. One way or another, we'll get you out there, and we'll we'll see you one way. We're going to do some 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 of these roadshow podcasts for sure and, and have some fun there. Jeff Fry, former Texas. And you know what? Before Jeff goes, we're going to get a plug. I've meant to do this two times. Jeff, to have the the little plugs I run on the podcast. So I need you to say, you know, former Texas Ranger Jeff Fry, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. Okay, this is former Ranger Jeff Fry, and you're listening to the Texas Rangers. I said it wrong. You said it wrong. That's all, This is the funny <laughs> the part. The Rangers, no, they're the Rangers Nation podcast. That's you're right. listen, folks. Okay. Go. This is Jeff Fry, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. There you go. Now, now I'm going to keep him long because he's become a buddy. Say, former Texas Ranger. Texas Ranger. Oh. Okay, there we go. Ready? Three, two. I got crawfish on my mind. <laughs> okay. This is former Ranger Jeff Fry, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. That's what I needed. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, man, we're going to hang it up right here and let you go. Uh Get out there and uh, have have some crawfish and eat a few for me and peel them back and, you know, all of that stuff and drink a cold one for me, Jeff. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, you man. Have a good day. We'll talk to you later. Okay, that's, man. that's Jeff Fry. All right, guys. So here we go. Jeff, we want to thank Jeff for coming on with us and uh, and and doing that. And we'll get him back to the Ranger Nation Roadshow when we get out there. This has been fun to have him on. Um We'll get some info out. We're looking at Arlington to try to do that. I'm going to be in spring training from uh, February 26th through March 1st. Mrs. Recliner Nerd will be with me. We'll obviously do some live stuff out there on Twitter and all of that. But uh, like I say at the end of every one of these podcasts and everything I write, it's time to tell everyone goodbye and nerd out.